Hello, this is Adam from Irvine, California. Let me tell you why I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. It's because Jesse, widely known as the inferior portion of the program, will not accept my Facebook friend request. Carry the conversation forward. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Coming at you live on tape from the lovely land of rain and earthquakes. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore, on this 185th episode. My lovely co-host, alive and well, I am happy to report, sits across from me, the lovely yet coffee, Brittany Page. I was actually going to tell you just before the mics went hot, as you would say, that's not me speaking, everybody, um, that I may be coughing throughout this. So just be prepared for that. I have not decided yet whether I will hit the cough button if I see that that it may be happening or if I will just let it go just to give an audience a little flavor into the life of Brittany Page. Please don't let it be in there because I may be coughing up green stuff like I have been. Yeah, but this is and just only audio. It doesn't sound good when it's coming up, though, is the point. <laughs> it doesn't sound good at all. Well, as if it weren't bad enough that you were feeling ill, it is raining. I, if we were to be quiet right now, the rain may be able to be heard because it is, it's a storming. El Nino is upon us. And it is amazing the land of pussies in which we live, Southern California, that it is practically where they are going to call a state of emergency because of it's a little bit of rain. Well, no, there's all kinds of flooding all over Los Angeles because we never get rain. And so there's like clogged up basins or whatever. And, you know, they have to... Like storm storm drains and stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and it's flooding. I watched a video of a, a Mini Cooper that was stuck in a giant puddle, like half the car was taken up by water. Right, right. And he crawled out of his driver's window, got on top That's, of his Mini Cooper. Listen. Because of the flooding. It's severe. It's what, it's what he gets for owning a Mini Cooper, I guess. It's like it, driving a smart car and then bitching that it gets... Uh, you know swept away but it is terrifying being on the roads when it's raining in southern california because people aren't used to driving in the rain and they just they can't do it for being a car culture which southern california is it's not like new york city where you can you can get by without even owning a car oh, you're no. fine you're good to go no i know many people who are well into adulthood who don't have a driver's license who live in new york city Oh, wow. Even San Francisco, it's kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. It's not th- that way out here. No, you need you a car. You need a car. Yeah. The other thing is I woke up to an earthquake this morning. Mm-hmm. There was a 4.5 earthquake not not very many miles away, and uh-huh. I awoke to the rattling, and I wasn't sure if it was the the crazy downpour, the emergency downpour, or 
or the earthquake, but it I looked and it was an earthquake. And I did not wake up because I took Robitussin as well as NyQuil. <laughs> well, I just, Jesus must be real, real mad about the gays today. Extra pissed off about the homos because there's all kinds of shit going on. Well, that's probably what Pat Robertson is thinking, yes. <laughs> so, uh, I want to address, we talked last episode about uh, a gentleman who hated the very sight of your humble host and at a, at a New Year's Eve party. Mm-hmm. And we got communication from the host. Hate. What's that? A lot of hate. Yeah, lo- lots of hate. And we got communication from the host of the party. And I had to explain exactly which member of the party hated me with such vigor. Mm-hmm. Well, and I had to, w- but yes. Well, I didn't remember. You described him, and then I passed it along. Yes. And when I described who this person was, he laughed. This is all through text message. He laughed and laughed, and I believe he said something to the effect of, oh, of course, that guy is a super liberal college professor. And it made me think that, you know, I just, I can't win. I can't win, whether it be with... uh Liberals, they don't like and appreciate my point of view, and I guess therefore they hate the very fucking side of me. Mm-hmm. And then conservatives, like right wing crazies, they don't like my, the cut of my jib either. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to our very first installment of the segment that we don't know what to call it. This caller sent in a voice memo from their smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. And they they named the clip "Getting to Know You," so eh, maybe that'll be in in the running for the name. However, the call, coincidentally enough, it sets right in line with that very thing. Hey there, Jesse and Brittany. It's your old buddy Jeremy, trapped in uh, Kansas. Just have a quick question for you to uh, the getting to know you segment, whatever you ended up naming that. Uh, sorry, perhaps I missed that episode. I'm an ass. Um, I just I, I listen to you guys talk about polls and these great articles that you read, and obviously you do a news and you know political comment show. Uh, so you read all these articles for that. But I'm wondering if you know if you didn't do a podcast, would you still be uh, you know, into all of this? Would you nerd out, uh, to coin a phrase, about all of this? Um, yeah, just wanted to know uh, if if there was no podcast, if you guys would still um, just be arguing in your kitchen about all of this like uh, like myself and my wife do. Anyway, uh, Brittany's the best, I guess. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. You guess. <laughs> What is this BS? How fucking dare you, sir? Mm-hmm. Well, the answer, and this is a great, and it really does segue from one to the other, is that I'm, I'm not looked upon highly by liberal or conservatives because I, as the saying goes, I march to the beat of my own drum, Brittany mm, Page. Mm. I, I really do. I share belief systems or beliefs with both parties, with both sides of the aisle. I don't follow one prescribed ethos or another. And that is the reason why this podcast got started is because my point of view was never anywhere. It wasn't shared anywhere. I never heard it. And Brittany and I had talked for a long time 
several years, I would say, at least two years. Mm -hmm. And we tossed around, maybe we should do a podcast. Maybe we should do a podcast. Well, here we are, 185 episodes later. And finally, my specific views, (laughs) I can hear them. It just happens to be that I hit play on my own show. So is that a no that you wouldn't read about politics outside oh, of the show? Oh, I guess show? it doesn't. I guess it didn't answer his <laughs> fucking question. I'm stupid. Um, absolutely. We are we are people who are, our lives are enmeshed by politics. Well, speak for yourself. Are you not? Are you not a, a, ju- a news junkie? No, I am. Um, and, and I have been... <laughs> I have been since I was a teenager and at my first job when I was 16 at Boondocks Fun Center, I yeah. I would debate politics with my coworkers. Very adroitly, too. Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, I look back on those times and I'm somewhat uh, horrified by the things that I used to say and the things I used to believe. Just much more radical. Right, um, yeah. And uneducated, obviously. I mean, I was in high school. Blindly, wildly liberal. Yeah. Yeah. And just aggressive about things. Uh, We don't need to get into details. But yeah, so it's always been an interest of mine. And Well, I, not to cut you off, but you seemed like you were petering out there. Yeah, that's that's what you do. (laughs) Also, I'm sick, so... I... I I grew up in a very political family. My, My parents are very involved in the political... Um, arena in that space mm-hmm. uh, in their home state in the Republican Party in the Republican Party that's mm-hmm. right and I at one time had very um, pronounced political aspirations I had planned to run for Congress and when I was a little kid I remember the very moment we were on Chendon Boulevard mm, getting Ch- specific Ch- Chendon Road maybe there's a road in, in, in a town called Nampa Idaho and we were driving down the road and the news was on, and they were talking about Jimmy Carter and the presidency of Jimmy Carter on the radio. And I remember it clicked that I think this shit is interesting, super interesting. That's awesome. And that is when I decided I want to be, I want to be involved. I want to. I just had an interest from early on. What a great and, memory! And even when I was in, we lived in Missouri, in in the Ozarks. And we were supposed to give a speech in like fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And of course, the topic of my fifth grade speech was fucking abortion. Mm. Like I knew <laughs> wow. my fucking ass from my elbow. Right. And I'm talking about abortion in a speech in fifth grade. Yikes. Luckily, it was conservative hillbilly Missouri. So no one, no one batted an eye. Did you bring in like photos of fetuses? No, no. We were, I don't think we had the the means to do all that, but... Even at that young age, I was really into it. So, well, so yes, we if we didn't have the podcast, most certainly uh, our lives would probably not be spent to this degree, this many hours dedicated to to the topics, but uh, we would certainly be talking about them. Well, and it's not just politics, too. I think that we, we also try to do a lot of science stuff and a lot of religious stuff. Right. And so the interests go just generally into current events and what's happening in the world. And I spend at least an hour a day reading the latest research, reading the current events. Yeah. Um, it's really important to me to stay up on that stuff, even... With as much reading, I already have to do. Well, I go back through my my Facebook feed when it gives you the the memories from your past whatever, and uh, 
oftentimes I'm like, oh shit, I should share this to show the people who have now connected with me on Facebook or who, who follow me on Facebook that this is not just a podcast you know, persona that I'm putting on. I've always been this guy who's been out there and vocal about, you know, uh, marriage equality and about reli- the, 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 the dangers and the perniciousness of religion for a long time. It's not just the show. So do you want to know what my first topic was in my debate class? Um, I hesitate to say yes, but yes. Male chauvinism. <laughs> you have not changed. <laughs> you have not changed. And when I announced what my topic would be, I chose it from a list and I said male chauvinism. And my teacher was like, do you know what that is? And I said, no, <laughs> but I'll figure it out. Oh, that's real good. <laughs> and I did. That is real good. So thank you, Jeremy, for the the inaugural call to for the segment we don't know what to call it yet. Getting to know you. I, that might be... Yeah, it's cheesy, but I like it. I think you just offended Jeremy. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> Love the show. Brittany's the best part. All right. He's Bye. not offended. He's good. <laughs> so let's move on. A little follow-up. Last year, we talked about a case involving... Uh, a lady in Texas getting pulled over, and w- the the case involved a cop named Brian Insania. Her name was Sandra Bland. She was arrested, brought to jail, where she ended up what now is the official stance of the coroner and the med- medical examiner is that she committed suicide. Mr. Insania, the cop, is not off the hook, though. He has been charged through a grand jury indictment with perjury relative to his statements that he made in the arrest report. This is a clip of a prosecutor in the case talking to the media. As of about 3.30 today, has issued an indictment against state trooper Brian Insinia for perjury. Is that the only charge he's facing? That's the only charge that the grand jury issued an indictment on. Give me the class of that that person. It is a class A misdemeanor. Excuse me, up to a year in jail and up to a $4,000 fine. How long was the grand jury in there today? Nine o'clock until about 3.30 today. Can you tell us any more about the perjury? Other than it's a class A misdemeanor um, and the punishment range, there's not much more information we can share than that. Where did it... It is a statement that he made in a probable cause affidavit that he filed... Um, justifying his arrest and detention of Sandra Bland. What did he say and what did you find to be the truth? The indictment was issued in reference to the reason that he removed her from her vehicle. What does this mean for him as far as his employment? I'm not sure. I don't know how DPS internally handles um, employees who are indicted by a grand jury for a criminal charge. I don't know. Did you guys call him in? Did you speak with him at all during this process? We can't tell you anything that's occurred inside the grand jury room. So hours after this was announced, the Department of Public Safety said that the state police agency will begin termination proceedings to just 
discharge him. Oh, so he's getting shit canned. Yes. Good. He's a terrible, he's terrible at his job. And so this charge stems from a one-page affidavit that he filed with jail officials justifying the arrest of Sandra Bland. She was pulled over on July 10th in a routine traffic stop northwest of Houston for failing to use her turn signal. He wrote that he removed her from her car to more safely conduct a traffic investigation, but the grand jury found the statement to be false, and that is because of the dashboard camera video, right. which shows him escalating the confrontation after Sandra Bland refuses to put out the cigarettes. And he he says that he will forcibly remove her from the car and threatens her with a taser saying, quote, I will light you up. So he's he's acting like in the affidavit, you know, I, I did this very routine thing. It was good to go. And then the dash, the dash cam video shows something completely different, which is him being an aggressive cop. Right. I thought you said aggressive cock. And I guess that would be true, too. <laughs> and in recent days, all of this has come out in just about the same time period. It has come to light, like I said earlier, the medical examiner has ruled her death a suicide because there was no defensive wounds on her if she had been killed, murdered by someone in the jail. So, mm-hmm. And that was the stance that we took, I think, on the show is that Let's reserve judgment. We don't know. We know that the arrest was bad. We know that. But her dying in jail doesn't necessarily have to be connected to the shitty arrest. Right. All right. Moving on. The Oregon militia fiasco seems to be chugging along. It does, however, appear that they are in dire need of a public relations person. Because the cleverness of Twitter has turned against them and they are being called things such as Yal Qaeda. Actually, this would help a little bit. Yal Qaeda, Vanilla ISIS, Yeehawdists, and Yokel Haram. All of these different hashtags are being used against them right now. And it is a nightmare. All of that in concert with the fact that the the aforementioned um, Ritzheimer has asked in a public Facebook post uh, a call out for snacks and other sundries to be mailed to them, general delivery. Yeah, they say that they're not asking for money, but if you can send supplies or anything that will help the militia and those taking a stand, please send it. Quote, we will humbly accept monetary donations. Oh, so they are asking for money. Right, yeah. At, I think it's on the Ritzheimer, the Ritzheimer website. At rogueinfidel.com. Again, not asking for money and care packages would be greatly appreciated. Wait, so he asks for money and then says, again, not asking for money? Well, they'll accept it humbly, but they're oh. not asking for it. Right. Okay, so things they could use, cold weather socks. Hang on, hang on. Before we move on, I want to remind the audience to whom you would be sending supplies if you were to send them. Fuck your book! Fuck your religion! Take it all and shove it up your fucking ass! All right, go ahead, Brittany. (laughs) Um, cold weather socks. She's not a Christian! (laughs) Snacks. That, by the way, will never get old. Snacks. Energy drinks. Mm, They love the monster energy drinks. Equipment for cold weather. Snow camo. Gear. Whatever that means. Anything you think will help 
thank you all for the support. Mm-hmm. So snacks and energy drinks, socks. It's too bad they didn't give a more, you know, thorough list of what types of snacks they enjoy. Would it be like Costco Pirates Booty? I know lots of people who love that. Would it be granola? On Twitter, again, the enemy that is Twitter, they lit up Twitter with all kinds of suggestions for food that they would send, whether it be like Afghani regional uh, regional fare from Afghan uh, from Afghanistan. There was lots of falafel items that they would send to Bula. All these, you know, cultural Middle Eastern foods. I think it's odd. Getting, we're going to get to some serious stuff here in a minute about this, but I think it's odd that they would ask the general public to send food because foodstuffs from place from 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 locations you don't know. That's not safe. It could be sprinkled with all kinds of, you know, butt leavings and... Says the guy who drinks out of cups that at was parties that he... That, oh, but that's the other thing, by the way. Getting back to uh, the host of the party, it wasn't a child's cola that I drank. It was some adult's gen- uh, rum and coke. Genital. Yeah. Is what no, you were going to say. I wasn't going to say genital. <laughs> yes. So who knows what was in it's? It's I don't know which is worse. The kid backwash or the adult. Well, we know where adults mouths go. That's I might have another man's penis in my mouth right now from having drank the drink. Okay. <laughs> so anyway. So the local sheriff in the case of Yokel Haram has given a brief statement in which he asked them to GTFO. I want to talk directly to the people at the Wildlife Refuge. You said you were here to help the citizens of Harney County. That help ended when a peaceful protest became an armed occupation. The Hammonds have turned themselves in. It's time for you to leave our community Go home to your families and end this peacefully. So even the locals now have turned their backs on the mission or the the help, quote unquote, from the militia. It seems as though there may be somewhat of a strategy taking place relative to getting them out of there. And it involves possibly, if they haven't already, cutting the power to the uh, the buildings, to the site out there. Federal authorities are planning to cut off the power of the wildlife refuge in Oregon that has been taken over by the militia, exposing the armed occupiers to sub-zero temperatures in an effort to flush them out. Armed militants will begin their third day at the National Refuge and have vowed to remain for months in protest over the treatment of the Hammonds. And a federal government official told The Guardian that authorities are planning on cutting the power at the refuge on monday and it has been very cold there so that would be the 11th monday the 11th right well i think they're giving them warning that look this is what we're going to do so you need to get your ducks in a row they're not just going to cut it off if it's 10 degrees out there 10 degrees fahrenheit out there that is that's it could be get even colder than that right now as we talk right now it's 9 30 p.m on what is it on wednesday January 6th, and it's 25 degrees out there. It's going to get down into the... Yikes. Very, very cold. 
So that is a strategy that I think will work because it doesn't sound like they came prepared. It doesn't sound like they had a fucking plan in place. They really are just, just this ramshackle group of morons. Well, here's my theory. If they would have like talked to a woman before they left <laughs> and then a woman would Take have... your coat, sweetie. Yeah. Okay, well, what have you guys packed? I mean, they probably just ran off in a huff. Yeah, yeah. All pissed off. Like, right. oh, this is the idea. We thought about it for two seconds. Let's go. Right, right. You know, and not preparing at all. They're asking for socks. What, what a bunch of turds. <laughs> you didn't bring socks? Right. Well, they don't seem to be the steely-eyed survivalists and militia members that they purport themselves to be. Mm-hmm. Because they're not getting it done. There is an element to this, though, that we haven't talked about yet. Do you need a cough there, Brittany? Yeah, I already got it out. (laughs) And that would be the Mormon church's either direct involvement in this, their disavowing of the group, but also kind of the history behind the Mormon church and some of the paranoia that goes, it runs deep through uh, members of the Latter-day Saints. The Mormon church officially as an organization has come out and condemned the action of this militia. Leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, quote, strongly condemn the armed seizure of the facility, spokesman Eric Hawkins said in a news release on Monday, and quote, are deeply troubled by the reports that those who have seized the facility suggest that they are doing so based on scriptural principles. The release further states that this armed occupation can in no way be justified on a scriptural basis. Americans are, quote, privileged to live in a nation where conflicts with the government or private groups can and should be settled using peaceful means, according to the laws of the land. So the Mormon church is treading very politically correctly in this case, but there is a history of the government, the United States government being in direct opposition to the Mormon church. So there is a very anti-government mentality that really does run as a thread through the members of the organization or through the, the faith. And you could see that in your face with Eamon Bundy and his brother Jebediah. What's his brother's name? Uh, Ryan Bundy? R- Ryan, but not Jebediah. <laughs> yeah, not even close. Well, they have uh, sometimes, I, listen, I grew up a lot of Mormons. They name their kids odd things. Well, so apparently another militia member has dubbed himself Captain Moroni. And <laughs> Captain Moroni is a warrior in the LDS faith's signature scripture. He's like a badass. Right, well, on the, on the top of every Mormon temple, there's the golden statue with the... With the horn. Uh-huh. We know what that was. What the... My my noise? Yeah. I don't know if everybody knows what my, my noises are. Anyway, that ain't... That's Angel Moroni, which is also the angel that appeared, and I'm using... Just imagine me being very sarcastic right now, or just using the heavy, heavy air quotes. Moroni is also the angel that appeared before Joseph Smith and told him where the golden plates were, and he was the, the, the intermediary between... The big man in the sky and earnest man of God, Joseph Smith. Is Angel Moroni the same as Captain Moroni, the badass? I would assume so. Okay. Well, I also want to get to one more thing before we move on. All right. It's being reported that Eamon Bundy um, received a federal loan, $530,000 federal loan. He used this money toward his company, 
valet fleet service, which performs truck maintenance in Arizona. And it's kind of interesting that he has received right. a federal loan. Well, that's what you do when you hate the federal government because it pers- persecutes you. you. You borrow money from it. <laughs> yeah, I just find this very odd. I mean, he, he seemed and he apparently says he's not anti-government. That's what he said on Tuesday. Hmm, okay. But he seems pretty anti-government. <laughs> so I'm a little confused. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Maybe it's, I'm missing something. He's going to, when it can benefit him financially, since now they're begging for money, when it can financially benefit him to be anti-government, then he's going to do that. But when it enriches him to be pro-government and take money from the fucking government, he's going to do that. He's a hypocrite. Not a shocker. All right. Shall we move on? Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. All right. Before we move on, we want to thank our latest two newest Patreon supporters, Adam and Nathan. Thank you guys so much for being joining the ever-growing army of militiamen. <laughs> Yikes. And women, militia women as well. Mm-hmm. Militia persons. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Adam and Nathan, for your contribution. And I bet you're just jacked over the uh, three debate episodes that will be coming your way this month and four next month. Yeah, we've got, we have a, a, a litany of different things we're going to be doing over the course of the next two months. January 14th and 28th are two more debates. And then February 6th, 13th, and 26th, those are also debates. And then and then I think in six days is the president's final State of the Union that I think we're going to do a bonus episode for to kind of break down the, the, the most notable parts of the State of the Union address. Mm-hmm. We will add that into the, the bevy of bonus content. And we are still actually today we had conversations with someone about, ha- about coming on the show as as a debate kind of uh, episode about a specific topic that will be long form, one topic over the course of an entire hour, and that would also be Patreon only. If you have suggestions, audience, for, for, for bonus episodes, topics you would like us to, to maybe investigate and cover or just talk about, send them our way. 657-464-7609, of course, Email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We are standing by for your suggestions. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. No doubt that you have heard, not just on this program, but others, that Obama plans to sign an executive action, like we talked about last last episode, to expand background checks, to strengthen background checks re- related to the purchase of firearms in this country. 
Well, he gave a speech yesterday, and I'm sure that you've seen clips from it and heard the media talking about it. Unfortunately, the only clip that you probably heard was the one wherein President Obama shed a tear while speaking. The rest of our rights are also important. Second Amendment rights are important. But there are other rights that we care about as well. And we have to be able to balance them. Because our right to worship freely and safely, that right was denied to Christians in Charleston, South Carolina. And that was denied Jews in Kansas City. And that was denied Muslims in Chapel Hill and Sikhs in Oak Creek. They had rights too. Our right to peaceful assembly. That right was robbed from moviegoers in Aurora and Lafayette. Our unalienable right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, those rights were stripped from college kids in Blacksburg and Santa Barbara and from high schoolers at Columbine and, and from first graders in Newtown. First graders. And from every family who, who never imagined that their loved one would be taken from our lives by a bullet from a gun. Every time I think about those kids, it gets me mad. And by the way, it happens on the streets of Chicago every day. So that is likely all that you saw from the national media. Well, it was a powerful, emotional moment. Absolutely. But it's not the nuts and bolts. The gentle ladies over at Fox News... The delicate ladies. That's right. Andrea Tantranaros and I guess the newly installed Megan McCain, what what she used to purport herself to be a moderate conservative, a moderate Republican, mm-hmm. Megan McCain, they both had things to say about this particular moment in Obama's speech. Well, many of us cried big tears the day that Sandy Hook happened. There have been so many times that we've had our hearts broken. Uh, But as we come back out to the couch, it was interesting to see the reactions among some of you when the president teared up. Why was that, Andrea? Well, because if you really cared about an issue, especially like Chicago in his hometown, and it was plausible, he would be doing something very different than he's doing, and he would have spoken out a long time ago. I mean, this is how many years? Almost eight years. He's almost at the end of his term. 
And you haven't heard him go to Chicago and really speak out about this issue. And he is uniquely poised to do so, really. Um, but everything he's doing won't solve the problem. So I would check that podium for like a raw onion or some no more uh -huh. tears. I mean, I just it's, it's not wow. really believable. I mean, yeah. and the award goes too. we are an award season. While they cackle like hyenas. Mocking the president of the United States for a genuine moment. Look, I'm well, clearly he... no fan of Obama, but that was a genuine moment. Those were real tears. He's he's a he's emotional, justifiably emotional over an issue that any normal human being would be emotional over. Well, even Donald Trump said that he was sincere quote i actually think he was sincere i'll probably go down about five points in the polls by saying that but i think he was sincere that's donald trump speaking right and even that asshole can't avoid it so <laughs> what andrea said you know where has he been well newtown happened two years ago so that's primarily what was making him tear up is the first graders and he paused right. and he's crying and she's saying, well, why didn't he do this years ago? Why didn't he start out doing it as soon as he got in office? Well, he's referencing something that happened two years well, ago. Not only that, where have your, where, where's your side been, Andrea Tantaneros? Where has the Republicans been? What plan have they offered up? There has been nothing, nothing. They say, oh, it's because of mental health. Well, what have they done, what have they proposed to do to combat mental illness and the, the purchasing or obtaining of weapons by the mentally ill? The answer is nothing. Here's Megan McCain. I don't understand why he's doing this. I agree with Andrea. The reason why I was reacting the way I was reacting when he was crying is because it just didn't seem horribly authentic. Uh, and maybe it is. I don't know him at all. But uh, I agree with you. If there's so much more to be done, again, if you care so much, go to your hometown of Chicago instead of talking about God-fearing Americans who just want to protect themselves when ISIS is coming to their hometown and shooting up 14 people. Two things. <laughs> Two things there. It doesn't seem horribly authentic what does that even mean? And secondly, when ISIS is coming to your hometown and shooting 14 of your neighbors, ISIS has done nothing yet. They have made a lot of threats and they have influenced some crazies, some homegrown terrorists, but ISIS has not stepped foot on American soil yet. Let's not paint with that brush let's not fear monger like so many who are in under the employ of fox news want to do well it's disappointing because when i heard that i automatically thought wait what when did that happen right and other people who hear that go yeah she's right right and that backs them all someone on tv said it it must be true right and it's really unfortunate and I think that you had a little more hope for Megan Kane than I did. Megan McCain, sorry. Yeah. Um, than I did because this is somewhat expected. Well, she's been an advocate for marriage equality. She's come out and, and said some things that are more metered and intelligent. And uh, yeah, maybe I did. Maybe I did give her more credit than she deserved because clearly the the paycheck from Fox News Corporation, from News Corp, has skewed her her talking points because this is this doesn't sound like the Megan McCain of old mm -hmm. you know what I mean the Megan McCain who used to go on Bill Maher and seem like a reasonable voice 
for a younger generation of conservative. Not anymore, apparently. (laughs) So let's talk about what you probably didn't hear from the mainstream media concerning what Obama talked about during his presser. The most important issues that you likely didn't hear. It didn't make news because he didn't cry and it wasn't some emotional, remarkable moment from our president. Instead, that is all you heard. You didn't hear the four points that he plans to address via executive order. So let me outline what we're going to be doing. Number one, anybody in the business of selling firearms must get a license and conduct background checks or be subject to criminal prosecutions. It doesn't matter whether you're doing it over the Internet or at a gun show. It's not where you do it, but what you do. We're also expanding background checks to cover violent criminals who try to buy some of the most dangerous firearms by hiding behind trusts and corporations and various cutouts. We're also taking steps to make the background check system more efficient. Under the guidance of Jim Comey and the FBI and our deputy director, Tom Brandon at uh, ATF, we're going to hire more folks to process applications faster, and we're going to bring an outdated background check system into the 21st century. And these steps will actually lead to a smoother process for law-abiding gun owners, a smoother process for responsible gun dealers, a stronger process for protecting the people from uh, the public from dangerous people. So that's number one. That's number one, bringing our system into the 21st century in the year 2016. For everyone who wants to applaud our president, which I believe some credit does need to go to him, although he's doing it in his second term, and he's doing it by bypassing the legislative branch altogether. These are things that need to be talked about. These are things that Democrats and liberals need to face. That he didn't do this. It wasn't so important to him to do it during his first term. He does it on his way out. Point number two. Number two. We're going to do everything we can to ensure the smart and effective enforcement of gun safety laws that are already on the books, which means we're going to add 200 more ATF agents and investigators. We're going to require firearms dealers to report more lost lost or stolen guns on a timely basis. We're working with advocates to protect victims of domestic abuse from gun violence, where too often... Where too often people are not getting the protection that they need. That's all good. I mean, listen, I do have criticism. My criticism is more about the manner in which he's doing it and not the substance of what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Because in large part, I think that maybe he's goading Congress to to do something on their own. Right. 
And we'll get to that, but let's move on to point number three. Number three, we're going to do more to help those suffering from mental illness get the help that they need. So... High-profile mass shootings tend to shine a light on those few mentally unstable people who inflict harm on others, but the truth is that nearly two in three gun deaths are from suicides. So a lot of our work is to prevent people from hurting themselves. That's why we made sure that the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, (laughs) finally... uh, under the, that law f- made sure that uh, treatment for mental health was covered the same as treatment for any other illness. And that's why we're going to invest $500 million to expand access to treatment across the country. It's also why we're going to ensure that federal mental health records are submitted to the background check system and remove barriers that prevent states from reporting relevant information. If we can continue to destigmatize mental health issues, get folks proper care, and fill gaps in the background check system, then we can spare more families the pain of losing a loved one to suicide. And for those in Congress who so often rush to blame mental illness for mass shootings as a way of avoiding action on guns, Here's your chance to support these efforts. Put your money where your mouth is. So I thought all that was pretty good. I liked the emphasis on stigma and and not increasing stigma. Um, I am kind of tired, I guess, of hearing people say, you know, we're going to do something about mental illness and then not say specifics. He did give some specifics there, but I would have appreciated more. He gave a dollar amount. I would have appreciated more. Yeah, that doesn't give specifics. Right. You're going to put money into it. What specifically is the money going to do? You know, what specifically is going to be happening? Well, and also how has Obamacare in it since its inception, how has mental illness been better because of Obamacare since that time. He gives no answers. And maybe this wasn't exactly the time, but when is the fucking time? When do we get the answers? Maybe it's during the town hall tomorrow. Hopefully during the town hall, (laughs) which is tonight for you, audience, at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, you can listen on CNN with Anderson Cooper And we will encourage you now, and we will also do it again at the end of the show, let us know what your thoughts are about the town hall. 657-464-7609. Or you can email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We really want to hear from you. Is my stuffed up head driving you as insane as it is me? (laughs) No. Let's move on to number four, though, Brittany Page. Okay. Number four. We're going to boost gun safety technology. Now, today, many gun injuries and deaths are the result of legal guns that were stolen or misused or discharged accidentally. In 2013 alone, more than 500 people lost their lives to gun accidents, and that includes 30 children younger than five years old. In the greatest, most technologically advanced nation on Earth, there is no reason for this. We need to develop new technologies that make guns safer, safer, 
If we can set it up so you can't unlock your phone unless you got the right fingerprint, why can't we do the same thing for our guns? If there's an app that can help us find a missing tablet, which happens to me often, <laughs> the older I get. <laughs> if we can do it for your iPad, there's no reason we can't do it with a stolen gun. If a child can't open a bottle of aspirin, we should make sure that they can't pull a trigger on a gun. All right? So we're going to advance research. We're going to work with the private sector to update firearms technology. So you notice exactly what he, where he just went is where I went last episode comparing the pharmaceutical industry and some of the regulations surrounding that to the firearm industry. I'm not saying or tooting my own horn here, Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Oh. little solo. Yeah. Yeah. I'm for sure tooting my own fucking horn because uh-huh. I was ahead of the game here. Yeah, you were. He must be listening or someone on his staff must be listening. Oh, I'm sure. To I doubt it with Dollamore because I made that correlation. <coughs> oh. Did I not? You did. <laughs> Good job. Congrats. Thank you. Amazing. Uh, Thank you very much. Yes. So I want to finish with this, with these clips. And this is what leads me to believe that maybe he is just pushing Congress to make their move. Because I think he knows, because Obama, listen, he's not a stupid man. I think he might be an ideologue, and I think he might be naive in certain ways. But he's not stupid. I think he may be pushing Congress to act on their own. The only problem is, I don't know that they're smart enough to do so. So, all of us need to demand a Congress brave enough to stand up to the gun lobby's lies. All of us need to stand up and protect its citizens. All of us need to demand governors and legislators and businesses do their part to make our communities safer. We need the wide majority of responsible gun owners who grieve with us every time this happens and feel like your views are not being properly represented to join with us to demand something better. And we need voters who want safer gun laws and who are disappointed in leaders who stand in their way to remember come election time. So my question would be, why is he asking or soliciting from his audience, we need to stand up and ask that Congress... 
ask for a strong Congress or a Congress strong enough to stand up against the gun lobby. We need to ask for blah, blah, blah. Why does it matter if you're taking care of this via executive order? Congress, you're, you're taking Congress out of the equation. That's my only question. And all, of the, all that he said is why that maybe he's setting this up for some kind of a congressional action. I don't know. I would hope so. Because he, by usurping their authority and their interaction in this entire equation, is problematic. Because he is not a king. He is not a dictator. He doesn't have unilateral authority here. Congress does certainly play a role constitutionally. Whether anyone like it or not, that is the case. Because any action he does take will be contested in court. And by this layman's opinion, probably overturned. Just like his immigration was. His immigration executive order was recently. We'll see though. But it, listen, it's a different time. Who knows? There is a younger Republican Party. There is a, a younger movement. Even amongst millennial Republicans. It's hard to say. Let's move on and talk about the older Republican Party. Mm. The older line of conservatism. And that would be Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, Roy Moore. A vocal opponent to marriage equality, I want to play you a clip, a news package from February of last year, talking about the very same thing he's trying to do now again, which is be opposed and using his position as Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court to affect the ruling in that state. Same-sex couples are getting married in some Alabama counties, but not in others. On Monday, a federal ruling made Alabama the 37th state where gay marriage is legal. But Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore ordered state probate judges to refuse to give marriage licenses to same-sex couples. Chief Justice, in his with his authority, has issued an order, an order, and I'm bound by that order. Judge Moore argues that the federal court that struck down Alabama's gay marriage ban violated the state's rights. In many counties, same-sex couples looking for marriage licenses were turned away. Actually, there's just absolutely no reason for this, no reason. I should already be home celebrating. We were hoping today was the last day that we were considered legal strangers in the eyes of the Alabama state government. It was a different story in at least seven counties where same-sex couples received licenses. Some weddings were held on sidewalks and in parks. The community's been great. I mean, it's just been all love, all day. Same-sex marriage opponents say they aren't giving up. I'm like the 81% of the people in this state who voted for the constitutional amendment that uh, clearly states that, that guy's a pastor. Uh, marriage is only between one man and one woman. Alabama's governor says he opposes gay marriage, but he wants the issue worked out through proper legal channels, not defiance of the law. Sandy Kozell, The Associated Press. So now he has come out again and is using similar tactics. 
he has ordered probate judges in the state not to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples, a move that could cloud the carrying out of the United States Supreme Court decision that legalized same-sex unions. Within hours of an administrative order, the probate court in Mobile County said on its website that it was, quote, not issuing marriage licenses to any applicants until further notice. That probate office, among the busiest in Alabama, was involved in the litigation last year that prompted a federal judge to strike down the state's marriage restrictions as unconstitutional and ultimately issue an injunction forbidding probate judges, quote, from enforcing the Alabama laws which prohibit or fail to recognize same-sex marriage. So what he's doing here is he is making a claim that the Supreme Court ruling from June 26th of last year only applies to those specific states that were involved in the case, Ohio being one of them. Well, that is just simply not the case, and this will probably get dealt with very quickly. The legal director of the Human Rights Campaign said, quote, Roy Moore is obstructing same-sex couples' access to marriage, which they are constitutionally guaranteed. This is just more of his shenanigans. It's about him and his personal beliefs at this point, rather than carrying out the rule of law. I want to give you a flavor for who this guy is. For one thing, he has the full faith and support of the local chapters of the Ku Klux Klan. Yes, more specifically, Imperial Wizard Brent Waller <laughs> of the United well, wait, Dixie wait, White I, Knights. I need you some 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 uh, some track music here. Okay. Brent Waller, Imperial Wizard of the United Dixie White Knights. <laughs> Yee-haw! Now this is a Mississippi branch of the KKK. <laughs> located near the border of Alabama. And they are very much in support of Roy Moore's position. Of course they are. Quote, the Mississippi Klan salutes Alabama's Chief Justice Roy Moore for refusing to bow to the yoke of federal tyranny. The feds have no authority over individual states' marriage laws. The fudge packers from Hollywood and all major news networks are in shock that the good people from the heart of Dixie are resisting their imperialist, imperialist, communist homosexual agenda now that is in quote i did not right. say that so personally listen here's here's the deal here we are not saying roy moore is a racist or involved with the kkk we are not saying he endorses their endorsement however the fact remains that he is the type who's going to get an endorsement tacit e- approval from this organization. They wouldn't be saying those kind of laudatory things about me, but they do about Roy Moore. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think that this is kind of an unfair argument, but really it's not. Because when are people going to gonna start finding it problematic that the KKK is praising their behavior, right. is backing them, is supporting them? I don't want the support of the KKK. Well, there's something wrong with the positions you hold. Right. I would if be, they align with those of the KKK. I would be very seriously questioning my life choices <laughs> right. if the KKK was supportive yes. of my positions. Yes. 
it's a quote that I heard, I think, from Adam Carolla at one point that he doesn't care if assholes dislike him, but he wants good people to like him. Right. You don't care if bad people don't like you. Who, yeah, who good. Cares it's about a badge that? of honor. Right. But you want good hearted people to think you're a good person. Right. That's who matters. The KKK supporting you. Bad sign. Roy Moore. Well, let me let me also we're going to play a clip here. And this this is from far more recently that Roy Moore is talking to a group of supporters and you are going to lose your fucking mind when you hear him twist this particular quote to his own devices. We're going through something in our country that other countries have gone through. Germany went through it. When the state took all power and moved into the church. Martin Niebuhr was a German pastor who stood against the tyranny of the Germans rather late in the war. Many years after the war, he explained what they went through. He said they came for the socialists, but I wasn't a socialist, so it didn't bother me. Then they came for the, the labor unionists, and I wasn't in the labor union, so I didn't pay any attention. Then they, pay, they came for the Jews, but hey, I wasn't a Jew. So I didn't speak up. He said, then they came for me. There was nobody left to speak up. Ladies and gentlemen, we can say the same thing today. They came for the bakers, but I didn't bake cakes. They came for the floors, but I didn't deal with flowers. They came for a little clerk down in Kentucky. I named Kim Davis, but hey, I, yeah, I've got it. Clerk. That had nothing to do with issuing licenses. Then they came for me. Nobody was left. This will touch every person in this room, every child in this room eventually. This opinion is not like other opinions that have been issued. So that quote that he completely butchered with his ridiculous BS is written with the idea of taking people's rights away. Fucking outrageous. And what he's saying in his examples are not examples of taking someone's rights away. He's talking about the bakery. They came he's for the baker. He's talking about people who want to oppress right. other people. Right. Oh, look out. They're coming for you next. Oh, and you won't be able to oppress people. They're, they're coming for the bakers who want to be bigots, but I, I'm not a bigot baker. And then they came for the bigot florists, but I'm not a bigot florist. Then they came for the lovely Kim Davis. Well, I don't have anything to do with that. Look, we all know the spirit in which Reverend or Martin Niemöller said this. And it was about the Nazis who were killing innocent people by the train car load he wasn't talking about hillbillies who don't want to allow two men or two women to marry one another consensually that has nothing to do with you chief justice roy moore disgusting yeah so i just i find it really um i mean i don't know when this is going to stop and it's getting really difficult to deal with because I mean, this is just flat out discrimination. It's hurtful to the LGBTQ community. Yes. He's 
I mean, well, it's it's so hateful. To what length will they go to justify their their ridiculous, backward, ancient, arcane opinions? He's going to twist that particular saying, that quote, to to fit his own worldview. That's it's sick. There's he's not all there cognitively. I mean, his religion has blinded him to to science, to human decency. I think that's the best way to put it, to human decency, because it's just, it's hateful. I mean, that really is the, and I know they try to act like, well, you know, you're infringing on our rights. No, that's not the way that it is. And if you want millennials to continue to vote Republican or to vote Republican period, then you need to give this up because you are going to lose the millennials unless you stop. That's that it. Is, that is exactly right. So Hillary Clinton in the White House, unless you guys knock this off. It's a guarantee that that's going to happen unless they knock that knock, knock it off. I mean, they are fighting for the life of the Republican Party right now. And it's dinosaurs like this fucker who are making it happen. It's, it's gentlemen and gentle ladies like Roy Moore who are going to put Hillary Clinton in office. Well, this leads us right into the next topic, which is an APORC poll, which indicates that religious rights are more for Christians than for Muslims, according to public opinion. Americans place a higher priority on preserving the religious freedom of Christians than for other faith groups, ranking Muslims as the least deserving of the protections, according to a new survey. Solid majorities said it was extremely or very important for the U.S. to uphold religious freedom in general. However, the percentages varied dramatically when respondents were asked about specific faith traditions. Hmm. 82% said religious liberty protections were important for Christians, compared with 61% who said the same for Muslims. Wow, almost 20% less. About 7 in 10 said preserving Jews' freedom was important, while 67% said so of Mormons. People who identified with no religion were ranked about even with Muslims in needing support to live out their beliefs. Of course. Atheists and Muslims right. can't get a break. I know. <laughs> We are a poor, subjugated group, Brittany Page. Religious freedom is now in the eye of the beholder. People in different traditions with different ideological commitments define religious freedom differently. Charles Haynes, director of the Religious Freedom Center of the Museum Institute, said of the findings. Yeah, museum. We didn't go there when we were in D.C., but it, it's an awesome museum. In the survey, 88% of Republicans said it was important to protect the religious liberty of Christians, while only 60% said so for Muslims. Democrats also ranked religious freedom for Muslims as a lower priority. Wow, really? 83% of Democrats said the protections were important for Christians, while only 67% said so for Muslims. Not much better wow. from Democrats. Wow. wow. Yeah. That is uh, not good, Democrats, liberals, listeners to this program. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's kind of a case of uh, your... What you're most familiar with, you want to be protected, and that with which you're not so familiar, eh, you know, if you know if they they kick them around or search them a little harder at the airport, yeah, it's not me, so whatever. Well, then they shouldn't pretend to care about the Constitution, right? You're exactly right. Well, it goes along with this <laughs> Niemöller quote that we're talking about with Roy Moore, right? That that's the same exact kind of thing he wants to instill 
in these people that were polling with this a, the, this APORC poll, which is they came for them. Ah, I wasn't one of them, so it didn't matter to me. They came for the next group. I wasn't one of them. You know what I mean? Well, if Muslims are being mistreated in this country, it's not going to be long before the next group, marginalized group, is going to be mistreated, and it might be your group. Right. There's supposed to be equal protection under the law. You're right? goddamn right. So and Republicans are supposed to care more about this than Democrats. Right. I mean, that's kind of that's, the stereotype. That's the trope that they like to drag out. The, but, the Ted Cruisers of the world. Right. But apparently that's not the case with this polling and also with people like Roy Moore. Right. But I found this very interesting and really unfortunate and... They also said that eight in 10 Americans said it was very or extremely important for people like themselves to be allowed to practice their religion freely. So most Americans say that it's important for them to right. be able to practice freely. Absolutely. But then they're happy to be like, yoink, 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 yoink. 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 With other people. <laughs> you don't get to do that. It's for me. Right. I get to, not you. Yeah. No good. Certainly no good. Well, yoink. It's, it's like my... Did fav- you like my yoink? I did. Like, okay. I, what made me laugh. All right. It's, it's like the... Okay, this is a good quote. I just, I'm reading while you're talking. Uh, quote, no religion is an island. If someone else's religion is being limited by the government, yours is liable to be limited in the same way. That sounds like John Kasich. Who is that? Someone named Rossbach, Eric Rossbach. I don't know who that is. An attorney for the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. All right. Even if you only care about your own particular group, you should care about other groups too, because that's the way the law works. Yes. How difficult of a concept I don't know. is this? Well, it's people need to do a little bit more of uh, doing, you know, um, treating others as they would want them treated, want themselves treated. The little, golden rule. Little Jesus. Little Jesus on them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let's talk about something that I find this super. I hit my mic flag. Do you hear that? What I am I, you that. banging around? Um, mein Kampf is being published possibly for the first time. Since its original publication, it's it's been banned in Germany, but because it's it's reaching the seventy year mark since its pu- original publication, it is now in public domain. The copyright expired with the new year, with plans by several publishers for annotated reprints sparking fierce debate over how one of the world's most controversial books should be treated seven decades after the defeat of the Nazis. The southern German state of Bavaria was handed the copyright of the book in 1945 when the Allies gave it to the control of the main Nazi publishing house. For 70 years, it refused to allow the anti-Semitic manifesto to be republished out of respect for victims of the Nazis and to prevent indictment of hatred. But Mein Kampf, which means my struggle, falls into the public domain on January 1st, meaning that the state of Bavaria can no longer challenge reproductions or translations of the inflammatory work. Well, that is uh, as terrible as this might be, that this will be back into print. This is the, um, this is freedom of speech. To not be able to disallow bad ideas into the, the, the ether, into the ethos of our collective thought. So I'm, look, as shitty as it is, we are not at risk 
because of ideas. Is the shutting? I think that the shutting down of ideas is more dangerous than those ideas that might not be subject to being shut down. Does that make any sense at all? Uh, it does make sense. In India, <laughs> thank you, thank you. In India and Brazil, the book is easily found. In Turkey, more than thirty thousand copies have been sold since two thousand four, and the book is not prohibited in the United States. No country is as torn over the book as Germany, of course. Germany, where all reprints have been halted since nineteen forty-five. Although the sale and possession of the book is not banned. I didn't know that. I, I figured it would be because they're pretty sensitive about their role. In the Holocaust, as well they should be. Well, apparently copies of it can be found in academic libraries in Germany. Hmm. Because some uh, 12.4 million copies were published in Germany until 1945. Look, I've never read it. I wouldn't mind reading what the nutball had to say. That's not a dangerous thing. I, Sun Tzu in The Art of War talks about knowing your enemy better than you know yourself. You should know. Even Chris Matthews in Hardball Politics, his book... He talks about Lyndon Baines Johnson talking about keeping political enemies close to the vest because you know what they're what they're going to be doing. It's a it's an old it's an old adage, but it's true. If you should know the modus operandi of the opponent of the opposition. It makes well, sense. It, it's also it's history. I mean, it's really, really, Absolutely. really unfortunate, terrible history. But it's history. But it happened. All right. So let's we're not we're not going to wrap with this. But uh, statistics were just released that discuss and talk about the fact that young black men in America are disproportionately killed by police. So the Guardian has this thing called the Counted, and they keep track of people killed by police in the U.S. Sure. And I just went to it, and apparently nine people have been killed by the police just this year. Just this year, and it's, as of right now, it's the 6th of January. Right. But looking at 2015, young black men were nine times more likely than other Americans to be killed by police officers. The final tally of deaths at the hand of law enforcement was 1,134 people killed by law enforcement in 2015. Despite making up only 2% of the U.S. population, African-American males between the ages of 15 and 34 comprised more than 15% of all deaths logged this year Wow! by an ongoing investigation into the use of deadly force by police. So the, the, the total population of the United States, there are 2% black. The total population of, of people killed by police is 15% black. That's seven times higher by my idiot math that's insane their rate of police involved deaths was five times higher than that for white men of the same age paired with official government mortality data this new finding indicates that about one in every 65 deaths of a young african-american man in the u.s is a killing by police so that's taking into account like heart disease and diabetes and all disease like all deaths that's what I and assume. One in 65 is at the hands of an authority, an official representative of the government of the United States. Mm-hmm. That's this, a problem. This quote from Brittany Packnett, an activist and member of the White House Task Force on Policing, says, quote, This epidemic is disproportionately affecting black people. We are wasting so many promising young lives by continuing to allow this to happen. It's sickening. And it's, it's, tough, to, if, it's tough to say 
for me, maybe, but I don't see this changing with a Republican administration. I don't see this changing unless it's a Kasich-Rubio type of ticket. And even then, I'm not sure that they're going to have the political courage to tackle this issue. And the fact that right now we have more incarcerated people, period, incarcerated than many, many other nations is a problem. Something that we need to take a strong, hard look at. And it's a bummer that Obama has only decided to do so in his last term as a lame duck president. In the final months of his administration is taking a look at it. Neither side has the political courage to do so. Unfortunately, the Republicans, they have zero will. Something needs to be done. All right, we are going to end it there. I would like to remind everybody that to today for you, today, Thursday, at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, is the CNN Town Hall on Guns with Anderson Cooper and the president. Now, watch this. We're going to watch it too. And we would like you guys to call in if you have any feedback at all, any questions, any 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 takeaways, any thoughts about it. 657-464-7609. I always hate, Brittany, leaving something like this at the end of the show, fearing that people don't listen to all a hundred and you know an hour and 15 minutes of this you know what i mean well they have to listen to hear what the end drop is <laughs> right that's always fun you'd think so so anyway we want you to listen to this you guys if you have anything to add if you have any thoughts any concerns any questions for us anything because this is tomorrow this is today for you thursday and we won't do another episode until sunday there's plenty of time to have a conversation amongst us all we appreciate you listening as often as you do you guys are awesome You mean the world to us. We appreciate every single one of you. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. They would have, like, talked to a woman before they left. (laughs) 